0: Set your sail for the orange and blue sea. Yeah!
1: Illini Nation, this is Java Suds. and this week's episode of the Java Men Fighting Illini podcast, Java Shaps joins the Big Ten huddle where he recaps the Illini's loss in Happy Valley. Hope you enjoy.
2: Into the Big Ten huddle, we have got a lot going on in the Big Ten. Uh, we just had a game that happened, and I'm sure Penn State fans are feeling pretty good about what happened. They might still be partying, uh, but our friend Shapps here um i'm convinced he's never going to come on the podcast again because this marks the second time that he's come on and uh an illinois loss happened right before that so uh we're going to get into that here in just a moment but uh new person on the podcast newcomer jackson of the jacksonian is with us tonight jackson covers all things college sports other sports you do like anime and stuff like that in your channel too correct jackson
0: I haven't yet, but I'll probably have someone that talks about anime or cartoons and all that sort of stuff eventually.
2: There we go. So, uh, a jack of all traits uh, is the best way to describe you, I'm sure. So, <laughs> um, Shaps, I think I know how you're doing tonight, but Jackson, how uh, how are you doing tonight? I'm
0: doing pretty good, and, and gents, I'm sorry that uh, Penn State's causing you guys nightmares. I am so sorry about that. <laughs>
2: Uh, that's what we were talking about before is that you know Illinois blew a 14 point lead but uh Ohio State blew an 18 point lead against Penn State earlier in the season so Penn State apparently that's their trick of how to win these games is get down by nearly 20 points <laughs> double digits and then just come back so um all right uh we got Sunny here with us you're not the only Illinois fan oh, I'm so glad you're Thanks, doing the show tonight <laughs>
0: Not me. Honey, I'm sorry that Illinois lost on you tonight, but I, I got a feeling that Penn State somewhere out there is playing Lion King music right now. I I don't know why, but they just are.
2: <laughs> well, let's just go ahead and get right into the game since we got a lot to talk about. Uh, Shaps, we'll give you the floor. Illinois falls 89-90 to 90 to Penn State on the road, blowing a 14-point lead. Um, I would ask what are your thoughts, but just – I guess air it out. What uh what are you thinking?
1: Yeah, I had, I had like, you know, notes prepared from the first half and uh and thought we were in a pretty good spot uh considering we were up by 7 I think with about 40 seconds left. And then uh and then I just crossed off all my notes cuz it's it's kind of pointless to look back at the first half now. Um that was unbelievable. Yeah, I, I I couldn't believe what I was witnessing. Um I started helping out with bedtime stuff. So it might have been my fault. Uh helping like kind of giving up on the game. I switched from the big TV to the phone so I could go uh upstairs and, and help out with the kiddos. And uh and maybe that was what did us in. Um so I'll I'll take the blame for that. Um you know, no blame should go on Coleman Hawkins. For, for missing back to back layups that would have put the game away, and then uh, on the ensuing possession, falling a three point shooter. Uh, yeah, no blame goes on uh, you know Brett Underwood for not designing an inbounds play um, and using up all of our timeouts. Uh, Or having the wrong guys on the floor or continuously having Marcus Damask bring the ball up with Ace Baldwin guarding him um, and just constantly turning the ball over. Anybody else could have brought the, the ball up the floor? Anyone that wasn't being guarded by Ace Baldwin and we probably would have won by 20 but we let them hang around and this is what we tend to do with teams. We get a comfortable lead and then we just get complacent and we stop running any sort of offense at all. Um, it's uh, it's very bizarre and and it, it just doesn't give Illinois fans a lot of confidence about March uh, because we, we've just, we've seen this multiple times now um, and it's, it's easy to explain, but it's also so many things have to go wrong for these to lose these types of games where you just make one or two tiny corrections and and you're easily walking away uh with a win. Uh it's I feel bad for Terrence Shannon. Uh he had a career high in scoring with 35 points, double double. He just had absolutely no help you know the the mask um the mask had an all right game but it was really the the complementary pieces that were just non-existent so yeah a lot of things had to go wrong and they all went wrong in a span of one minute and uh that was difficult to watch um i guess it's hard to win on the road in the big (laughs) 10 You can say that. You can say that anytime your team loses in heartbreak fashion. Right. Well, it's really hard to lose on the road. You know, it's hard to win on the road.
0: Well, you can't. You you guys can't play like that in March. Because I'm gonna tell you right now, there's gonna be some Cinderella team, like say Grand Canyon. They're going to cheat you up like a chicken nugget if you pull that sort of stuff. I mean,
1: oh, we've already, yeah, uh, the Java men have already declared that we're going to be playing Indiana State in the second round, most likely. <laughs> and it'll be, uh, it'll be just flashbacks to a certain team from a couple years ago that we don't talk about. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it fully, fully expecting another heartbreak for sure.
2: Well, at least it's not fairly Dickinson, right? Sorry, Purdue fans. I'm just trying to make him feel better. Okay. All right. Well, on, the bright,
0: side, I be, well, on the bright side, Illinois base Fairline Dickinson and Purdue doesn't. So you can always okay. say
2: that they do beat yeah. Fairline Dickinson.
1: We got that going for us. Uh, yeah. The yeah. rum is, is making me feel a little better too.
2: There we go. Yeah. Put the kids to bed, break out the rum. There you go. That's a good idea. Uh, Jackson, you have not been, uh, hurt substantially by Penn state so far this season that I know of. So, uh, your thoughts on the game and do you just, do you have any thoughts on this Penn state team who was without their leading scorer and Kanye Clary, who, you know, uh, has been dismissed from the team for unknown reasons. There's fan speculation. And if we want to get into that, we can, however, this is also just kind of a huge win for Penn state. So I don't know how much Penn state fans are thinking about Kanye Clary. They're probably thinking about Zach Hicks and Nick Kearns and Ace Baldwin and all these guys that had a great game. What do you think, Jackson?
0: I got to say, I was impressed that this is the fifth time this season that Penn State made a double-digit comeback. I mean, the first time, I, I mean, this is like second only to the 18-point deficit against Ohio State in December. And I would not be surprised come conference tournament time we see Penn State advancing to the semifinals because of games like tonight and games like what we saw earlier this year, especially against the Buckeyes and a few other opponents that Penn State played.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. I, I could, I, I could see it happening as well you know Ohio State kind of had that little bit of a magical run last year where they won what three games in the Big Ten tournament and ultimately just ran out of gas because it's really hard to win five games in a row in the Big Ten tournament back to back to back days uh, but I mean Penn State they certainly have that kind of ability And when you have somebody with like Ace Baldwin who I mean literally anytime the ball is around him he apparently it's just able to snatch it. I don't know what Penn state is doing out there with their guards and like their cornerbacks. Cause they have really good cornerbacks in football too. But like every guard apparently needs to go to Penn state for a little bit and figure out the ball, Hawking skills. Of and what just, yeah. Franklin... <laughs> what and just play
1: do? against and just play against Illinois and Brad Underwood. Well, uh, Cause whatever it is that we bring out the best in Penn state guards. Uh, they beat us three times last year um, I think this is our only matchup against them this year, uh, and it happens again. Um, doesn't matter that they don't have their their leading scorer apparently because Nick Kern just comes out of nowhere and has his uh, you know career high, which we just we see time and time again with this Illinois defense we seem to just bring out the best in opposing guards and opposing big men. A lot of times too, with Wahab scoring. uh, What did he have in the first half? Like he had double digit points. I think in the first half, he averages eight points a game.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Nick Kern again, averages eight points a game and and he scores Mm -hmm. 20 in the second half against us. Maybe because he's a St. Louis native too. He, he wanted some, some revenge, but um yeah I, I i don't know what it is about penn state um but we just we can't seem to uh to figure them out and we don't ever change anything that we're doing defensively to give different looks uh to make things more difficult and uh coleman hawkins is, is kind of the captain of the defense and he he just had one of his typical like space cadet games tonight uh which was really unfortunate um he you know he's been getting a lot of publicity lately uh his his twitter game is is quite strong um but but maybe uh maybe he should worry a little bit less about twitter and and the refs and and get his ass back on defense a little bit more uh instead of crying for calls and um you know maybe we we win that game because that was A truly epic uh, collapse by him at the end.
2: Well, like I I look at the game and, you know, Illinois was up by, what, seven, right? With, what, 40 seconds left? I mean, they Illinois did what you were supposed to do throughout the game to win the game. It just so happened at the end, Brad Underwood, apparently his only inbound play is to, like, Marcus Domas to set a pick for Terrence Shannon Jr., And then the defenders switch and then both of them stand there and don't know what to do with themselves. Like you're kidding, are you kidding me? Like Brad Underwood, that that's your inbound play when you have one timeout left that you cannot afford to not use, like or when you cannot afford to use because you need it for later on in the game. Because, like, let's be honest, if they threw the ball up there, they could have called a timeout, had three seconds left, probably got a better shot than what Justin Harmon got there at the end of the game now I don't think Justin Harmon got a bad shot he did he did fairly well at the end of the game to get that shot but like that matters and instead of doing that Marcus Domas ran to the exact corner that you're not supposed to go to caught the ball and had to call a timeout because there was literally no way he was going to get out of that so I mean Illinois won the game until 40 seconds was left in this game they did enough to win this game defense wasn't great but defense did enough to win offense was fantastic terrence Shannon, jr 35 points 11 rebounds i mean he was out of his mind in this game but it just so happened that the guy you needed to score the final points to win it all was coleman hawkins and not terrence Shannon, jr so um I, I guess that's my thing shaps is like Going forward, because obviously Illinois is going to make the tournament and Illinois is going to, you know, be there and and be a March team. Going forward, are you more concerned with some of these coaching decisions by Brad Underwood, the defense, the offense? I mean, what is your big concern? Because my concern going into it was the defense. But then now I'm looking at it. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe it's guys not being able to finish the game. Maybe it's Brad Underwood's decision. making. I don't know. What do you think?
1: No, there's only one concern going into March, and it's been the same concern for the past few years. It's Brad Underwood and his decision-making and his lack of in-game adjustments. He is an elite program builder, amazing recruiter, and a very bad in-game coach. Mm-hmm. And it has cost us many, many times. He makes adjustments in between games, but not during games, and when you're playing in March in a single el- single elimination format, you cannot afford to wait until the next game. You lose, and you're done. And typically, we lose because he does not make any adjustments to what he's seeing on the court. Something as simple as having anyone else bring the ball up the court, other than Marcus Damask, being guarded by one of the best defenders in the big 10 that's just a very very simple change maybe not having the shortest guy on the court and justin Harmon inbounding the ball all the time so it's it's just little things like that that we're watching the game and we're screaming and it's so obvious to make but he just doesn't do it and then he'll do it in the next game though he'll fix it but it's 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 just dumbfounding why he can't make that change during the game. It's like, he's just a spectator on the sideline. And that is the biggest concern. The defense is a disaster right now. And he hasn't changed really one thing about it. They just continuously do the drop coverage. And, uh, and our, our stats guy, uh, Java jubes shared a graphic today. Um, from one of those, I can't remember the CBB analytics guys or something, but, uh, It it showed like the teams that are the uh you know the best usage of floaters and like leaners in the lane. And uh and if you look at like the top row of teams that are all really good at it, it's all teams that have beaten Illinois. Right. Because we run the drop coverage and we don't ever change it. So if you're facing a good guard, we just get killed. So again, the 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 biggest concern. And it will always be the biggest concern. And really, the only thing that holds this team back from March success is is unfortunately the coach.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the shot chart for Penn State and I I mean, there's one, two, three, four, five, six. I mean, there's at least six shots here that happened right around the top of the key or right outside of the key. And, uh I mean, those are the kind of floater shots and those are kind of some of those mid-range shots that you're talking about that, you know, maybe they're not as good as layups, but, you know, you can't, you can't be having those. And that's, I mean, that's what Ohio State did to beat Purdue is because Zach e's kept dropping back so far is that they just kind of kept taking those shots. And, yeah, when Illinois plays that drop coverage against pick and roll, I mean, the teams are going to take what they take and Penn State has competent enough guards. I mean, they think, actually think they have pretty good guards. Um to be able to make, make those plays. So um, Jackson, I'll give you the last word on this before we move on to the next game. But, you know, you've watched Illinois this season time, you know, here and there, I know you don't watch them maybe as much as some other people do, but I mean, what's your, what's your concern with this team right now is do you think it's fixable? Do you think this is something where uh, Illinois, they just need to be worried or, or, or what do you think Jackson?
0: Well, I think they're gonna have to be really worried. They got fix all their mistakes, and it's like Shap uh, said, it's the end game. It's it's the end game adjustments. You know, he's not really good at the end games, but maybe he can get better at it this year. Maybe he could learn from the mistakes of some of the past games this season and past losses from the past few few years. But I guess we'll wait and see.
2: Yeah. Interesting for sure. Uh, got Dr. Spin here. Talk to me about getting a five seed instead. Oh, of-
0: you're in trouble if you're a five seed,
1: especially this year. We're in trouble if we're a four seed. I think. Uh, basically, we just wanted to avoid uh, that that line, and we had a, a path for a three seed. It was certainly there. Um, not anymore, um, unless other teams really falter that are around us, but. Which could uh, happen.
2: I mean, that yeah, could it
1: could happen. It, the only pro, and and we have games at Wisconsin, which suddenly isn't that good, and uh and against Purdue, remaining, but outside of that, we don't have any other opportunities. You would basically have to win out now to even have a chance. But I, I even I don't even think we would do that. Maybe if we won the Big Ten tournament, like we could probably get a three seed, but other teams that are around us uh you know in the net just just have a much much better record against quad one just way more better wins like creighton just did so uh it's 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 more likely a four or if we falter again it's it's gonna be five and five yeah we would be a very
2: popular uh 12 over five uh pick i think or even the second round you know what the What the five plays the four in the second round, right? So I mean, yeah, face a four seed there. And it's just not a desirable place to be. Three three is a much more desirable because you you get kind of those smaller schools that win. And uh yeah, you're exactly right, Dr. Spin. Five seed is is death. I mean, you see it time and time again where they where they uh fall and, and get upset there. So uh we will see. Obviously, not a fun night for Illinois fans, but um but like you said, chaps, there, there's always a chance of other people fal- faltering. And I mean, the way college basketball goes, nobody, <laughs> like everybody says, oh, well, if we just went out and it's like nobody ever wins out. <laughs>
1: so, yeah, yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, we're obviously down right now and emotional from the you know immediate aftermath of a horrible loss. Um, but we all know the Java men know Illinois fans know all that matters is March for That's this it. year. That's when. Brad is going to be judged. And if it's just a repeat of history, then the the squad is going to be the firing squad is going to be, you know, heading to the armory and uh and loading up for the weapon with the weapons um and uh and possibly doing some damage in this offseason.
2: So in your mind then, Shaps, just you personally, I don't need to I mean to ask you to speak for all of I Nation, but for you personally, what does a successful march look like like what round do they have to get to 16 8 final four what do you think
1: it's really simple they have to get to the second weekend that's it that's it that's really all that matters if he loses in the first or second round it's it's going to be uh hell uh amongst illinois fans wow big stakes this is the team this is the team and and if he doesn't get it done it's it's going to be on his shoulders for sure because this is a veteran team. Last year, if, if we want to call it, um, you know, an outlier, he he took some gambles with a younger team, didn't work out. Okay, but now he went the complete opposite direction and loaded up in the portal with with seniors. So if he doesn't get it done this year, it's it's just going to continue to haunt him. I'm not saying we're going to fire him. We're we're not right. Uh, but the pressure will, will be mounting.
2: Right.
0: So basically, he would be kind of like Sean Miller, Matt Painter, and Tony Bennett, guys who do well in the regular season, but don't do so
1: hot in March. No, because those guys have all had success in March. Okay,
2: Tony Bennett won the national championship. Tony Bennett won a three. national
1: championship. Uh, you know, Matt Painter has been to multiple Sweet 16s and Elite 8s. Um, did he go to a Final Four? No. No. Purdue hasn't been to the Final Four
0: since 1980, I believe.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, and and yeah, Slime Miller is like uh, our number one uh, wanted man if we were ever to get rid of Brad Underwood, but Ohio State's probably going to hire him, so.
0: Well, I mean, if you're hoping to go to the Final Four, you're not going to get there with Sean Miller.
1: See, Dr. Spin is the number one. Slime Miller fan and he's he's calling it out right now. We want slime. That's the only guy probably that we would trade Brad Underwood for. That's like
2: available. There we go. Give me Slime Miller. Uh well hey, you guys take Sean Miller. We'll take West Miller and then we'll just have the Miller brothers. And then Indiana can hire Archie Miller back. There you go.
0: Yes. Or get Dusty May from Florida Atlantic. That's a good one.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's the thing. He would be a good hire. I I want I want IU to hire Archie Miller back so that way I don't have to worry about him. Cuz past couple <laughs> seasons I was actually kind of worried about IU. This season I'm like, "Okay, Mike Woodson, keep it up." Uh- <laughs> oh
1: god. Yeah, I saw the rumor too about uh about uh, Bruce Pearl to Indiana. Did you see that one? Oh yeah, I saw that. Which oh my god, that would be such a psychotic move by Indiana. Like after yeah. what they went through with with Kelvin Sampson to just bring in Bruce Pearl would be <laughs> just yeah. an insane move
2: uh Dr. Spin's asking who will the Buckeyes hire uh so the Buckeyes are in a weird situation, they're new um <laughs> they're new <laughs> um their new athletic director doesn't get there till March and he's going to be the one doing the hiring. So we don't really have any like rumblings of what's going on right now. Uh, Insiders don't really know. Nobody around the program knows, but the suspicion is that he is going to go after Greg McDermott, Wes Miller, Archie Miller, Lamont Paris, and Dusty May. Those are his supposed guys. But like I said, nobody really knows because he's not Ohio state right now. Uh, when he gets there in March, he will be, but, uh, but we'll see. So We'll talk more Ohio State later on. Uh, who knows? They might hire Jake Diebler. <laughs> he keeps winning like that. Um, all right. Well, Shaps, no worries. Uh, you lost on the road, but Michigan State had a hard time because they lost at home, and I saw some Michigan State fans going through it a little bit in this one. I I don't know if I have the same take that every – Michigan State fan does. Obviously, Michigan State fans know their team the best, but I'm curious to get you guys' take before before I give mine. Jackson, what were your thoughts on this game? And uh do you think that Michigan State fans should uh be hitting the panic button after a loss at home to Iowa?
0: Oh, if I'm Michigan State, I'm panicking. I mean, we're I'm looking at the rest of the schedule. They got Ohio State on Sunday on CBS. Then they got to go to Purdue next Saturday night. Then there's Northwestern. And then they got to go Bloomington, Indiana on the 10th on CBS. So, I mean, there's not a lot of games left to where they can get that big win. But if you can beat Purdue at home, that can help you. But I doubt you're going to have problems getting in unless you lose out. Because you're Michigan State. If you were some other team like an Ole Miss or a Northwestern or, say, San Francisco, Wake Forest, yeah. you're screwed. But you're Michigan State. You haven't missed March Madness since 1996-97 and Tom Izzo's second year.
2: I think you're fine. <laughs> I like Dr. Spin in the chat. Imagine getting friend at. Home. <laughs> yeah, this, uh, this game was the last time that Fran and that referee had their stare off. Uh, I think it was in the big 10 tournament. So uh, we were having a recollection of that. That was fun to think about. No, I, I, I agree, Jackson. This is, this is uh, a tough stretch here at the end. Ohio state is playing better ball uh, after they beat Purdue. We'll see what they do against Minnesota, but uh, on the road against Purdue, I, I mean, nobody has won there this season and I don't see anybody going to win there this season, especially, I mean, the only thing I can think of Michigan state has is like they have four big men so they can just keep throwing guys at Zach Eady until, you know, maybe Zach Eady bleeds so much. He can't play anymore. in the game. like, I feel like that's maybe their only hope, uh, but they do have guards who can play. So who knows, but I, I don't have much hope for Michigan state there. Uh, and then you're right. Northwestern, even though that's at home, you know, you get into the boo zone and, be concerned there. And then at IU, it's never easy going to assembly hall. So, uh, Shaps, your thoughts on, uh, Michigan state getting friend at home. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, I have this game when I, uh, when I turn on Michigan state games, I always try to tune in right at the beginning. Cause I play the, how fast can Maddie Sissoko pick up two falls game? Yes. Uh, this time it took two minutes and 18 seconds. In this game, absolutely incredible performance uh, by Maddie. Now, it's the same story all season long. The fact that Izzo did not get a better uh, big in the portal is just insane that he thought he could just run it back with the exact same guys. Um, I don't get the Cohen Carr thing. He played two minutes in this game. Uh, every time I, I see Cohen Carr on the court, like something good is happening
2: right he and wasn't he, bad he just
1: doesn't play i don't i don't yeah. i must be like i'm not you know dialed in on michigan state i don't watch every minute but i i truly don't understand why he he doesn't play um i was playing most of this game without owen freeman too which was also crazy uh and just making this worse uh this loss so much worse um Izzo said after the game that that the team was just too tired, that they you know didn't have their legs. You know that's that's what he said in in the post game. What a lame excuse, yeah. From Izzo, I, I, I they they played Saturday, okay, like Saturday, Tuesday. Yeah, that's like a quick turn, turn right? Yeah. But they played down the street in Ann Arbor against a, a team that doesn't even want to, you know, continue the season. Basically, right. Iowa. Also played Saturday, and they went to overtime with Wisconsin. So, yeah. really, really lame excuse uh, from from Izzo. Um, and I did want to bring up this stat uh, from uh, from Jay Kuda. He's a great follow on Twitter. Jay Kuda, and and our buddy Casual Big Ten will love this stat as well. <laughs> Steven Izzo has four rebounds in 11 minutes this season that averages out to 14 and a half rebounds per 40 minutes. So if he played every game, all game, he would lead the nation in rebounding. So, wow. (laughs) The answer to Michigan state's front court problems are sitting right there, you know, on the bench, probably in the same household as, uh, as Izzo. And, um, and he doesn't seem to to see it, so that's just another uh, you know uh, stain on on his uh, fading reputation here down the stretch of his uh, career.
2: Yeah, it's like it's almost like the you know when you grew up playing sports, the coach's kid always got like the special treatment. It's almost like uh, uh, yeah. Tom Izzo is like, you know, I will never give my child special treatment. <laughs> he will never play in these games. Um, He's the no, answer. I, yeah exactly like come on come on Tom believe in your boy um so I I saw some people and I'm uh, far from me to tell Michigan State fans what to believe they they obviously know their team far better than I do but I saw them going after AJ Hogard quite a bit in this one and like yes not everything AJ Hogard was you know nice to watch in this game he is he is kind of hard to watch at times but he still had 15 points, 3 rebounds and 4 assists. Shot 50% from the field, made both his free throws. Like to me, if you're going after anybody in this game, it's the big men and Tom Izzo for refusing to play small ball. At no point in time did Tom Izzo go to a small ball lineup in this game. Oh, I mean, Iowa did not have Owen Freeman and for for a large amount of this game, and they started going to this 2-3 zone where it's like, okay, go to small ball, play, play them, spread them out in this one. And you're going to start hitting threes. You're going to start making shots, but they never did. And I, I am baffled that Tom Izzo at the end of last season, finally discovered small ball and Michigan state was able to make a run in the tournament because of them playing small ball. And then now again, in this game where Iowa is missing their, their freshman, you know, superstar, big man for most of the game, and he just refuses to go to small ball. It's not like Owen Freeman was in there just like dominating the entire game. Like if there was ever a time to go to the small ball lineup, it was in this game against Iowa, who is not the most physical team in the world. Not going to call them soft, but that's just, you know, they're, they're not a super physical team. It's not like playing, you know, (laughs) Rutgers or something like that, you know? Um, But at the end of the day, like Michigan state, At some point, Tom Izzo has to look at his big men and just sit them all on the bench and say, none of you guys are playing until you actually give me production because their four big men played a combine of 42 minutes in this game and they had seven points and 10 rebounds. Seven points and 10 rebounds. Between four big men who played 42 minutes. Like, I am baffled. There was a hilarious...
1: The sequence that towards the end of this game was so funny too. I, I had to write yes. it down because uh, Cooper misses like that wide open pass, you know, like it was kind of like a shovel pass and he, he yes. just wasn't ready for it at all. They take him out for defense and they do go small and, and they, but all of a sudden you got Malik Hall as like your big guy on the court and Owen Freeman was back in the game. They threw that lob pass just over Malik's head Owen Freeman scores easily, and that was basically the end of the game.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I well, and
1: I am
0: looking, looking at, at can't win. <laughs> what I right. am looking at, I was rested the schedule, and sorry to bring this up, Shaps. They got Illinois twice for the rest of the season, but <laughs> they got they right, got Penn brand. State coming to their backyard. Then they got to go to Northwestern's backyard and go deal with Boo Booey on the Big Ten Ooh. Network. So that's going to be a big one, but I don't, I don't think I was, uh, I don't think they're in, unfortunately, they're going to have to have a big run in the big 10 tournament. They may just have to be a bid stealer in the big 10 tournament to get in.
2: Yeah, no, I, and that was my next part I was going to go to. Thank you, Jackson. Is that like, even though Tom Izzo failed to realize that none of his big men could actually play, I mean, Fran McCaffrey's guys played hard the entire game, and Peyton Sanford is the real deal, able to make the plays that he makes. And I I don't personally think that Iowa has a chance to make the NCAA tournament. You have Illinois on the schedule twice, once at home, once on the road. You're also going to Northwestern. And then you have Penn State, which is just a total wild card. Penn State can literally beat anybody at any night, it seems like. Uh, and, yes, Especially you have them at home, when- but –
0: Especially when they're trailing by double digits
2: yeah don't get up by double digits in this game iowa you'll start getting in trouble but um but yeah i I, as much as i do like this iowa team and they are younger and i think they have a bright future i just i can't i can't see them winning all four of the these final games and then making a run in the big 10 tournament um can you see it chefs
1: be pretty tough given given the schedule and just like Again, it, it just comes down to opportunities and, and, and resumes. And there's just not a lot of opportunities in the Big Ten to get really good wins. Um, right. You know, so it, uh, unless they beat Illinois a couple times, which is certainly possible. We play them in March, uh, so we, we tend <laughs> to struggle in March.
2: That's true. Um, I mean, that's truly playing in March.
1: Um, yeah, that's why the calendar know. goes Braduary,
2: February, Izzo. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, Chris Holtman always struggled in in January. Uh, Foxy here saying Tom never uses his timeouts to change the flow or stop opponents' run until last thirty seconds in the half. Uh, yes, yeah, that was another thing I noticed that Tom Izzo. He kind of has. He kind of does what Mike Woodson does a little bit where he just kind of leaves his guys out there sometimes. And he's just like, figure it out, which early on in the season, I like that because I feel like you kind of get from your guys, like who they are and kind of discover, like, what can you do? But I'm not like I'm not really a fan of doing that in late February. Like you should know who you have right now and you should know, oh, this other team's going on a run. Matty Sissoko's in there or whoever else is in there and I should get them out of the game because they're not going to respond well. Uh, I need solid rebounding. So I'm going to put, you know, uh, Carson Cooper in there or somebody like that. Like I, I need somebody who has the ability to score down in the paint. So I'm going to put Jackson Kohler in there or something like that. But, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't get Tom Izzo right now. Far from me to tell Tom Izzo what to do. Obviously he's been much more successful than I am, but, um, if he gets anything out through watching this episode, play Steven Izzo. Uh, that's that's the message from the Big Ten huddle for for Tom Izzo. <laughs> think, uh, all right, guys.
0: You think um, – uh, how long does, is he going to have at Michigan State? Do you think the last few years at Michigan State are similar to the last few years of the Bayhan era at Syracuse?
2: I don't know. I, I don't think it's been – as bad as it was for Bayheim there at the end and i can't imagine tom leaves or michigan state asks him to leave while he still has this uh tournament streak going but i could see i i think it's much more likely that tom leaves on his own tom Izzo leaves on his own rather than um michigan state asking him to leave or anything like that i i i don't think i could see that happening could you chefs
1: yeah, I think he it's his job obviously as long as he wants it. Um we'll see if he does the Coach K farewell tour or the Nick Saban just go, you know, out just blue. yeah, out of the blue, which I know he's buddies with Saban, so
2: so perhaps. And it's like which one of those is better for your team, right? Because like if I'm the team, I kinda like that Sabin didn't make the last season by himself, but at the same time, when Saban just like left, it just like you know opened up the entire portal to just feast on your team. And like if Tom Izzo does that, then like that doesn't help Michigan State. Well, maybe some maybe some Michigan State fans want <laughs> the portal to go after their team. The way anyway, they talk about some of their guys, but but yeah, so. Um, Dave says, what's your prediction for the Gophers versus Ohio State game? That will be going to first time. Yeah, we'll get to that one uh, last. So that's on our schedule last, Dave. So uh, we're going to get to Maryland, Wisconsin first. Uh, Wisconsin defeats Maryland 74 to 70. This was a pretty interesting game. Maryland uh, made some comebacks here and there, but it never really seemed like they could get ahead because Wisconsin just kind of kept kept taking over and Chucky Hepburn was playing some really solid defense and Jameer young was doing everything he could. But I mean, at the end of the day, Wisconsin's defense just really, really held off Maryland and was able to, uh, to keep them at bay. I don't know if this means that Wisconsin is back. Uh, I was impressed with what I saw from Wisconsin, but this also wasn't Wisconsin scoring 80 points like we've seen them do this season. So good defense, but not really the high high power offense that we've seen from this year. But uh, Shaps, I'm curious, your your uh, thoughts on the game.
1: Yeah, it was kind of a weird game for sure, because cause during this stretch of struggles for Wisconsin, their defense had been horrible. And actually, their defense was okay in this game, um, but their offense was kind of letting them down a bit. Um, oh, I have to point out also, I, I listened to most of this game on mute um, because uh i can't stand jack collinsworth um he he certainly didn't get the job on on talent or merit uh i i don't know what it is about his audio too it's like it always sounds like he's calling a game from like a a space station or something and i i don't know why that is um so listen to it on mute i was also watching the the and yukon game too but well oh, yeah um yeah a, a weird game I, I don't understand what's happened to, to Max Klesmet. It, you know, if if you look back when they were dominating in January, you know, he was, he was scoring 15, 20 points, seemingly like every game, maybe defensive has, has, you know, adjusted to him. But, um, but like, if you just look at their recent games, I think a huge reason is because of Max Klesmet struggling and that forces Chucky to, you know, c- carry more of the load offensively, and if and again, if you look at the recent games like that they've lost in, um, you know, Chucky is scoring above his average. Where if you look at those games in January, he was scoring like four points, six points a game, and just facilitating and 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 focusing on the defensive end. Uh, and and Klesmet, if you his stat line is really deceiving in this game. Mm-hmm. Too he scored uh he scored more than half of his points in the final minute of the game he did yeah. hit that big three that dagger three but before that he was hor- and then he just had a bunch of uh free throws really at, at the end so mm-hmm. very deceiving very deceiving uh stat line for them um maryland is is still really hard to figure out as well uh again they they play their best games against illinois and I don't know why um Probably because they have a really good guard and a really good big, but uh, I was just happy that Willard was actually falling at the end of the game. Um, I thought that was a huge step in the uh, in the right direction uh, from when against Illinois, he just refused to fall and let the the clock nearly run out. Um, so maybe that's baby steps uh, for Willard and he did just get a five star recruit in the door. So, uh, you know, the turtle heads uh, don't have to go into their shells uh, quite. Yeah, they kind of poked their head out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, when that five star announcement came in today.
2: Yeah, they were real happy uh, in Slack. They were they were saying watch out for him next year, which. Yeah, I, I could have sworn maybe they were saying yeah, yeah. that when they got uh, Harris Smith last year, but that's not over yeah. there. Uh, they're ready, I'm yeah. Happy. They were ready to fire
1: Willard into the sun, you know, the day before, but then uh, he brings in the five star, and they're like, "Look out!" Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: I mean, if Maryland has another bad year like they're having this year, okay, talk about firing Kevin Willard. But firing Kevin Willard right now, I mean, that's basically throwing the baby out with
2: the bathwater.
0: I mean, you don't fire someone after their second year. That's a no-no, unless it's something really bad.
2: Well, and to his credit, like he's got the recruits right. Like I, I kind of went on it on last episode and was talking about, you know, it wasn't all that great at Seton Hall, and you know, he kind of did Seton Hall a favor leaving there, going to Maryland because Seton Hall was getting, um, what's his name, uh, Holloway or uh, what's his name? Shaheem? St. Peters. Yeah, the St. Peter's guy. Um, so he yeah. helped him out there. But at the end of the day, like Willard has not been anything spectacular as an in-game coach, uh, you know, as we kind of talked about with Brad earlier. But uh, he has been able to to get the guys and, and to uh, get the good recruits in there. So I think Jameer Young does far more than what you know, some people realize uh, Dave has a good point here. Wisconsin scoring 80 points was something you didn't hear in the late 90s, early 2000s. Usually it took them three or four games to score 80 uh, and they would still uh, lose those games. Yeah, uh, no, I agree. I, I And that's the thing, like. You saw Wisconsin finally this season be able to combine good defense with strong offense, and one of the reasons why, and I said this early on in the season, is that Wisconsin was actually putting their guys in the correct roles. You were making Chucky Hepburn be the role that fits him, which is a distributor, somebody plays good defense, and can get you a bucket from time to time, but he's not your primary scorer. Without Max Klezman, to your credit, like you said, Chaps, without Max Klezman doing what he – has been doing all season long, Chucky Hepburn has to start being more of a scorer, uh, which is what got him in trouble a little bit last year because he he got out of the zone. Now, Chucky Hepburn is, is able to do it. He's a talented player. I think he's probably one of the more underrated guards in the Big Ten, but he's at his best when he's playing his role and he doesn't have to be you know, the scorer or the hero or whatever it might be because at the end of the day, like you said, Shaps, like Max Flesman wasn't anything special in this game. He had eight free throws awesome but at the end of the day like most of those were in garbage time when maryland was just chucking up three pointers and hitting them (laughs) you know so then they had just had to keep shooting free throws so so it's definitely concerning but um i think this is a good game for wisconsin we'll see if they can build off of it maryland is a good defensive team so give them the credit there so scoring 80 on them is difficult but at the end of the day like if wisconsin wants to be the team that people thought they might be in March Max Clemmen has to be has to be that guy again.
0: So they they're not looking so good for March right now Wisconsin. I mean they 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 lost 5 out of their last 7 games. That is mm-hmm. not good. You can't be playing like that in the Big 10 tournament or March Madness.
2: And right. Yeah, I mean they and their last four are I mean they have some games in there they can win but they're not cupcakes. I mean at Indiana, um, Illinois, Rutgers at Purdue, and Rutgers is a better team than people give him credit for with Jeremiah Williams back. So that's not an easy game to uh, to win there. So yes, Etch, I uh, was seeing your stuff, but I wanted to continue the conversation, finish off Wisconsin. It's Brad Underwood, elite program builder, but bad in game coach. Also, Undy gets Jimmys and Joes, but can't put the X's. And O's, the only conclusion is that Undy is an elite program builder, but bad in-game coach. Yes, we were talking about that earlier in the episode, and um, I think that's exactly how you feel, right, Chefs. Yeah, exactly. Perfectly said. Yeah. So if you uh, go back and and listen to (laughs) all of Chefs' thoughts there at the beginning of the episode, because we covered that quite a bit. Let's move on, yeah. Yeah. All right. Rutgers and Purdue is coming up tomorrow night so I don't think this is really a question of who's going to win this game I think Purdue should be able to take care of this game they did play at Rutgers early on in the season Rutgers gave them a good game I think it was an eight point game so Purdue did end up winning that game obviously however with Purdue's performance that they had against Ohio State and the defense that Rutgers has if you look down there you can see Rutgers is 275th in adjusted offense efficiency but their second in defense. And Purdue is second in offense, uh, adjusted offensive efficiency, but 20th in defense. So this is a good situation where we are going to figure out with Purdue, can they fix some of the offensive struggles that they had against Ohio State, which were Zach Eady turning the ball over, which is strange because we've seen Braden Smith turn it over and Fletcher Lawyer turn it over. And that was kind of the issues last year and what people were concerned about this year. But when you see Zach Edie turning it over, it's like, hold on a minute. Like, just, is this just a one-game thing, or is this something that we have to start being concerned about where teams are going to figure out if we just poke the ball away from Edie before he gets it up over his head, then we have a chance. Um, Jackson, do you feel the same way that you think Purdue pretty much has this game on lock, or are you kind of concerned for Purdue after the loss against Ohio State earlier?
0: Oh, if there was on the road, I'd be majorly concerned. But because it's a home game for Purdue – I think they'll be fine. I mean, just don't let your kids watch this game by themselves. That's all I can say.
2: Like it's going to be an intense game for sure.
0: But uh, uh Mommy, why, why why is that that team beating up on this uh red team? Well, they're pretty mad at uh the red team. <laughs> Let's go have cookies and ice cream. <laughs>
2: they're mad the way they played against the other red team earlier in the week too. So, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Chaps, uh, I, I don't know how much you watched of the Ohio state Purdue game, but I'm sure you've heard about the issues and probably saw them a little bit. Do you think that, uh, Purdue corrects some of those issues in this game or what are your thoughts?
1: Uh, no, they probably don't need to really, uh, <laughs> like the, the issues, that Purdue runs into is basically just how the refs uh, officiate the game. Oh, yeah. In my, in my opinion, like, uh, like there's not a whole lot you can do to slow down Purdue. Otherwise, like, you know, if they just struggle shooting from outside, sure. Uh, but it it really, for the most part, just comes down to the officiating and is, is ED making his free throws? Um, is he getting into foul trouble? Uh, which I think he did right against Ohio state. he had 2000
2: the first half yeah
1: yeah yeah and he always acts like he's never fouled someone his entire life (laughs) you ever noticed that too Yeah. like i turned the game on right when he he picked up his second foul and he just like slashed the guy across the arm and then he couldn't believe that they called a foul on him when it was it was a very obvious call I, i don't understand that but uh no i i'm not concerned at all about purdue um it's kind of the same situation where it's like just fast forward to March because that's really all that matters. Uh, You know, we've seen Braden Smith last year and and a few times this year just kind of struggle towards the end of games. And that's really probably the biggest question mark is, is how are they, how is ED going to be officiated in March? And is Braden Smith going to be able to close out games when he's under pressure? Um, otherwise they're kind of just coasting through and and they're going to have some slip ups here and there. Um, but with Illinois loss tonight, Purdue, uh, is pretty much wrapped up. I think the, the big 10 regular season title. Um, but I, I have enjoyed watching Rutgers lately though. Um, Jeremiah Williams is, is pretty electric. Uh, Mm -hmm. former Illini, I should say former Illini, Jeremiah Williams. You remember that story, JR?
2: No, I don't. What uh what happened there with that one?
1: This offseason, he committed to Illinois. Um, transfer oh. from Iowa State, I think. He yeah. committed to yeah. Illinois, and then I can't remember the exact like series of events, but basically it came out that he was under investigation for gambling while he was uh, at Iowa State. Uh that spooked Illinois. So we moved on from him because we, we assumed he was going to sit out some amount of time. So he ends up uh, at Rutgers and obviously sat out the first 20 games or whatever it was. Um, But I'm shocked at how quickly he's just become the man for them. Uh, He is very, very smooth and skilled and um, just gives them such a boost that they have been missing. You know, somebody who can just go get their own shot and actually give Cliff uh, some help. On the offensive end, um he's given them a lot of confidence, so you never know uh what can happen with him um I'm sure defenses will adjust now and and figure him out and 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 make things harder on him uh but it's it's been fun to watch. We've always said, like we said earlier, brad great evaluator of talent,
2: he gets the good players a <laughs> j store as well former along. Orlando- and that's funny because didn't Terrence Shannon Jr. commit to Michigan, but they had the same issue with Caleb Love, like the academics or whatever. So then Terrence Shannon Jr. went over to Illinois because he couldn't get into Michigan or something like that. So <laughs> sounds like there's a lot of committing that uh, then doesn't go through for uh, stuff like that in the Big Ten, which is interesting. But uh, no, I, I think it's funny. I was talking to my um, – to uh, one of my friends the other day they know that I do this Big Ten Huddle podcast now and uh, they are primarily an Ohio State basketball fan but they started watching the rest of the Big Ten because they like to talk with me and hear my thoughts and stuff and so they they said that Rutgers was like their least favorite team to watch and they, they they just couldn't keep them on for very long because it's just like a very terrible offense and you know yes the defense is fun but at the end of the day like people don't watch sports to see defense more often than not uh but he turned on Rutgers these past few games when they were playing Michigan and a few other people like that and he he texted me and he said who is this number 25 for Rutgers and I had to tell like well this is the guy who just came back he was from Iowa State I forgot about the Illinois thing but I said he's from Iowa State and he's Basically, the uh, the spark plug for their offense, and he was like, "Well, it's nice." Steve Peichel found somebody to be alive on offense, <laughs> so Rutgers looks like they're actually something decent. So, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, it, it it's a fun piece, and I I have to agree that I like watching Rutgers more now, now that there is, as he puts it, somebody alive on offense.
0: <laughs> It'd be nice if Rutgers can make a big run in the Big Ten tournament. That'd be awesome.
2: You know, we were talking about them a couple episodes ago. That if they got to like a twelve and eight or like an eleven and nine Big Ten record at the end of the season, you know, couple losses, but they went on a run. Could they make the NCAA tournament? I said it's possible if they did well in the Big Ten tournament. But other people said I was crazy. Uh, obviously, that's probably not going to happen anymore. They they lost their game to whoever it was last week. Um, Minnesota. Oh, you could be.
0: Um, in the Big Twelve, you could be seven and eleven, and you get in. I mean, right.
2: Yeah. And in the past, you could do that with the Big Ten, but it's just not as respected this year mm-hmm. because, you know, what do you have? Illinois, Purdue, Wisconsin, and Wisconsin's not even nearly as respected as they once were. So, uh, Corey brought up about Purdue earlier that uh, they shot one hundred percent from the free throw line in their game against Ohio State. Yeah, I remember that Ohio State missed one free throw. And Purdue made every single one of their free throws. Zach Eadie went eight for eight. Um, not a single guy on their bench shot a free throw. <laughs> I remember <laughs> seeing that, which was funny. Uh, and then Dave, does Purdue get the Kansas City Patrick Mahomes treatment when it comes to officiating? Uh, if you mean the treatment that his offensive line gets, yes, because I don't know if anybody else saw those replays of the Kansas City offensive line after. Uh, during the Super Bowl, but they were hugging Nick Bosa a couple of times, <laughs> and they weren't calling anything. So, uh, yeah, uh, and sometimes I think it's unintentional because at the end of the day, it is just so so hard to guard Zach E Ed- or to uh, officiate Zach Eady because it's almost like every single play there's a foul either on him or somebody else, and I don't envy them. So, all right, Dave, we'll get to your uh, your Gophers here. Ohio State plays Minnesota tomorrow night minnesota obviously has a chance to uh make a, make some noise here at the end of the season possibly go on a run Their uh out of conference schedule is not doing them a whole lot of favors however if they win some of these games here at the end of the season that could be really helpful for them and ohio state just comes off a big win over uh over purdue uh, at home so can uh, ohio state finally get a road win for the first times in over a year uh or will minnesota take care of business i tend to lean Minnesota's going to take care of business but it is a fun game to kind of talk about with implications for both of these teams uh shaps when you look at ohio state playing minnesota do you agree minnesota's got this one uh pretty well locked up what are your thoughts
1: uh yeah, I mean, they might. They've been playing well. They've won four out of their last six games, I believe. Um, and uh, Ohio State coming down off that real emotional win. Um, I'm still putting Diebler in for my coach of the year uh, vote now that guard has fallen to pieces. Yeah, It is kind of funny, actually, too, how, how Minnesota is like the anti-Wisconsin uh, right now, um, where Minnesota's going on a run and Wisconsin's doing the opposite, which really works out too for the, uh, the reciprocity between Minnesota and Wisconsin. Are you guys aware of the reciprocity deal?
2: No. What's, uh, what's that?
1: So, uh, Minnesota and Wisconsin have a deal where if you live in either of those states, so if you live in Wisconsin and you go to Minnesota for school, you pay in-state tuition and vice versa oh reciprocity oh. yep huh
2: nice <laughs> i didn't realize that
1: yeah so they're mirror images of each other
2: yeah at all times um <laughs> <laughs> and we'll and always will be auntie wisconsin <laughs> thank you dave
1: <laughs> yeah so it'd be, it'd be a fun be thing to think about
2: yeah, it would be hard funny hard.
1: if Ohio State went on a run uh for sure to, to close out the season and uh Diebler, you know, forces them to to take off the interim tag. Might be hard to do, because uh, there's gonna be a lot of probably better coaches available. Um but I'd love if, if Minnesota like made a run to the NIT. Uh I think I think they'd be a fun NIT team and it would actually like mean something to them as well. Right. Um as opposed to you know a lot of other teams that kind of fall backwards into the NIT and and they don't care about it uh it would be a huge stepping stone i think for minnesota who was universally picked to finish dead last in the big 10 um so right yeah some momentum for uh for minnesota and and, and ben johnson to finish the year would would be really positive i think um Can we talk about the tampering as well? Sure. The Ohio State tampering. What do you you know, JR? What do you know? So uh,
2: I originally started with the Aaron Craft portion of the podcast, and then I kind of did some digging after that. Uh, And a lot of it's Big Ten teams, from what I heard. Uh, A lot of it are Big Ten teams reaching out to his mom and uh they're just kind of checking in like hey how's uh, bruce thornton doing you know <laughs> it's it's tough to lose your coach i mean the i've not been told quote for quote what they've said but what i have been told is that like college basketball head coaches are really bad actors um yeah. like i'm sure they're good recruiters and things like that but like you know it's like hey we 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 just we, we, they're used we car care sales, for man. bruce right like hey we care for bruce we want to know how he's doing right now and it's like okay sure you also want to know if bruce thornton is going to come and be your starting point guard next year or not yeah. because we're here for you yeah it's like it, 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 i kind of was giving connor a little bit of uh stuff with it last uh last night with uh the Kaden proctor thing where it's like you know Iowa tampering is like, hey, keep your head up. You know, like <laughs> that was the text that they sent the Alabama um, offensive tackle that <laughs> turned out to be tampering. And it's like, you know, if you're nice about it, then maybe it's not tampering. But, um, but yeah, no, they're skirting these rules any way they can. Um, I know Bruce Thornton is annoyed with it and doesn't want to deal with it. Um, you know, he's what, 19, 20 years old right now. Um, and him and most of the other guys on the team, like they still believe they can do something this season um, and make something happen. But, you know, I think that's
1: why it's smarter that they fired him in season. Right. Because you have the players still in the building. You know, you have the assistants there. Like you can go on a little bit of a run, you know, you can build some momentum, you can sell them on potentially staying. Whereas if you fire them, the day after the season, those players are gone. Mm-hmm. Like they're not in the building anymore. They're you know, you're never even gonna get to talk to them, most likely. They're already in the portal. So I think it's much smarter to fire them in season, uh, than than wait when you know like we're gonna fire them anyways. Uh probably be a pretty smart move if you were Ward Manual as well.
2: <laughs> he said he's not even thinking about that though. My God, he stinks.
0: Um, oh, man, michigan has got the Scott Frost of college basketball coach in
2: there. Who, yeah, yep. they do. Good call. Um, yeah, that is a good call. Um, what I've also been told about the whole thing is that, so uh, an underrated part that people don't realize and something that Gene Smith was thinking of, and uh, one of the reasons why Chris Holtman kind of went away earlier on in the season is because uh, Jake Diebler was like the primary recruiter of the entire team. And he was almost kind of like the closer with some of the guys on the current team. Not that he always was, but like Felix Akparo, Bruce Thornton, guys like that, the younger kind of sophomores and freshmen, he kind of like assumed the closer role with a lot of them in recruiting. And so the thought is from the Ohio state administration side is like, if we let Jake Diebler do a good job, show that he's a good coach, like maybe the next person we hire will then also keep him on staff, which will then possibly also keep, you know, some of these players here as well um, in it. And also, like, another thing that people aren't thinking about, uh, which Ohio State was thinking about, is this 30-day window that happens after your coach is fired. If you do it while classes are still in session, and I know this sounds scummy, and it kind of is, but welcome to college basketball. Uh, We had the FBI investigation on, like, you know, 10 different <laughs> programs. So this is mild compared to that. But, um, but if you fire your coach while classes are still going on, you, like, you can't transfer right away. That was one of the biggest issues with Nick Saban retiring when he did, is like that was literally when classes were just starting up, not really going on. And guys could literally make a decision on where they wanted to go within a week or two and they would be totally fine at wherever they went to school. Um, so this, you know, 30-day window after somebody is fired is uh is affecting when some of these coaches are getting fired as well. Um with all that's this interesting. Stuff. Yeah,
1: didn't yeah. know that. So yeah, it's interesting. Yeah.
2: yeah, like so if you've seen that like Michigan in football, again, I, I'm not trying to talk too much about football, but it just kind of makes sense if anybody pays attention to it. Like one of the reasons why it was kind of good that Jim Harbaugh left when he did instead of at the end of the season or at the uh beginning of the semester. Is because players have a whole lot harder time transferring now. They can really only transfer to like schools that are on quarters if they want to actually enroll there. Um and it kind of like is the same thing happening now, but a lot of schools, their quarters um are either up or just now ending. And so it'll be really, really tough for Ohio State players to transfer. And then also at the in in the middle of the season, guys' emotions are so high they don't want to leave their teammates and have all that kind of stuff. So Got to remember that they're students first,
1: you know, yes. never forget that
2: student athletes. <laughs> uh, Jackson, you've seen the uh, the ins and outs of the uh, Alabama being down south there and stuff like that. What are your thoughts on, uh, you know, the coaches being let go or fired and, and guys having a 30 day window? You have any thoughts on that to transfer?
1: Where are you located oh, first,
2: Jackson?
0: I'm in Alabama. So <laughs> um, I'm, I'm a Bama man, born and raised as one. But um, yeah, like the transfers, you know, like if if you feel like this team or that team is the best place to go, you stick with it. I mean, cause I mean, do do I hate it when some of these guys like leave my team? Of course, but I'm not gonna get upset about it because I mean, they got families to feed. They got they got look out for not just themselves but those around them, and it's all about how you got to pay those bills. That's the right.
2: way it works. Yep. You can pay some big bills with NIL nowadays too. So, it's um, exactly.
0: I saw where a guy was, uh, buying his mom a new house with his NIL money the other day. Oh yeah.
2: I saw that too. That, yeah.
0: The Florida, Florida guy ones. is on Florida. Was thing, on,
2: right? on three on Twitter, I believe. Yeah. At least he actually got his money. I heard other Florida players didn't get their money. <laughs> um, I'm trying Try to, to get it up where front. I'm, exactly, I'm trying to figure out where I was here with Dave. Did you guys get that Barry Alvarez looks like John Belushi?
0: Oh, oh now you got me thinking about Animal House and Blue Brothers,
2: oh, especially the one
0: where Belushi's like doing the zit, where he goes, "See if you can guess what I
2: am." <laughs> <laughs> I'm a zit in it. <laughs> oh man, um. Yeah, so I, I I didn't want to make this a full-on Ohio State segment, but I'm glad uh, we got that stuff out of the way. But I think at the end of the day, no, that's okay. I, it's interesting <laughs> information, and I I, I need it. to be I need to be more willing to share what I have sometimes because sometimes I I don't know if I'm going to get somebody in trouble if I share something that I have. But you know, <laughs> that's just it is what it is. I oh, guess. Ba-
0: Getting in trouble is part of being an adult. I mean, that's why I remember that uh, comedian Louis C.K. said. He's like, that. that's part of getting in trouble. Like, kids are always afraid of getting in trouble. When you're an adult, you're always in trouble
2: with someone. And when I say get in trouble, I mean, like, I won't get any more information if I overshare. Because <laughs> somebody's going to get mad and say, why is this random podcaster divulging all of our secrets or whatever, but... I probably know less than I think I actually do. So <laughs> maybe that's a part of it. Um, So hit on Minnesota really quick and then we'll get out of here. But uh, Minnesota, I think that they're, they, they should take care of Ohio State. Ben Johnson has been really good this season as far as the NIT goes. We were talking about that a little bit earlier. I think that making the NIT and going on an NIT run would be really, really cool for Minnesota. Not because like that's their end goal and that's what they would be happy with above all else, but it would show the growth of the program and kind of give that affirmation that like Ben Johnson is building something. Uh, They're going to lose a few players after this year. Parker Fox has something with his eighth year. Um, Kent said that he's gone because that's what Parker told him. But I know some people were saying in the comments that he has, he might not leave. Uh, he doesn't have to, so I don't know exactly what's going on with that. I can't keep track of all these COVID years and stuff like that. But, but I know that a couple of other guys are uh, in the starting lineup are uh, older, but you know they have Feral Payne, they have Cam Christie. These some of these younger guys that are going to be good for him. So if they can manage to bring those guys back, and Ben Johnson can have another good year, that'll be. Well, I believe
0: 2024-2025 be will be the last year where you have a free year because of COVID from 2020.
2: Yes. As long as you don't have one of these medical red shirt situations, because that's how some of these guys are like going even deeper into it. Like their eighth or ninth year is because they have, they were granted like two or three medical red shirts instead of just a normal one, uh, which is really weird to me, but that's how it goes. So, so yeah, uh, That's all I got. Shaps, you got anything more on this Minnesota-Ohio State game? No. Jackson, you got anything else on the Minnesota-Ohio State game before we get out of here?
0: My advice to the Buckeyes is don't throw the card in before the horse. I know you got that big win over Purdue, but do not let yourselves get hung over against the Golden
2: Gophers. Yep. Gophers will take you out. (laughs)
0: they'll They'll chew you up
1: like a chicken nugget.
2: Yeah chefs, uh, why don't you tell people where they can find you at before we get out of here?
1: Yep, you can find us at uh, the Java Men Fighting Illini podcast, where we've got a, a rotating crew uh, of hosts. And we will continue to debate uh, if Brad Underwood is a good coach or not. Um, follow us on Twitter, uh, Illini underscore Java Men. Uh, we like to have some fun on there as well
2: always enjoy interacting with you guys on Twitter. That's a good time. Jackson, where they where can they find you and uh, the Jacksonian and all of your sports and future anime and all that stuff?
0: <laughs> and, and all kinds of future episodes in the works. I, I'm excited about it. 2024 is a big year, and uh, I'm 201 subs away from getting to 500 right here on YouTube on Jackson Johnson 979. And I'm getting closer to 2,000 right here on Twitter at Jackson 0996 And you can also find me on Instagram and threads where I also just kind of run my mouth about what's going on. And I just give these little announcements here and there on Jackson Johnson 543908. And I got this little rumble link in the private chat of the Jacksonian where one of these days... I'll be having some Jack Soning episodes so crazy that it's too crazy even for YouTube.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's what Rumble's for when it's too crazy for YouTube. Uh, there you go. That's the thanks way. Thanks for coming it on Jack. Them. Thanks for coming on Jackson and sharing your uh your uh, Southern pride here with the Big 10. We uh we appreciate it. I did my that. best.
0: Thank you for having me on. It's an honor being, being on tonight's edition of the Big 10 Huddle.
2: You're welcome, man. Uh, thanks for coming on, Shot. Appreciate you, man. Uh, everybody have a good night. Thanks for watching. See ya.
0: Sleep
1: well and stay warm. It's